up, everyone? Welcome to our review of The Mandalorian, Episode 6, The Prisoner. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. This review will be mostly spoiler content, so this is your reminder. Get out while you can. This is spoilers. 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 Yes. So, John and I are going to be enjoying talking about this because we have differing opinions. So, we'll see how this goes, everyone. Uh, so, just to start it off, uh, John, what did you think about this? So, overall, I think it was a good episode. Um, I loved the suspense that they introduced to this uh, into this episode. It was a lot more, I think, uh, versatile in a lot of different genres than the previous episodes have been. Um, it kind of caught me by surprise in a couple ways, but it felt again like a like a standalone episode, and it didn't drive the plot forward from the first couple episodes with uh, Baby Yoda being introduced, with the Empire. Um, so it. In some ways, I felt like it was strong, but in others, I I wish that they had continued to propel the story that they were advertising from the beginning and not just feel like they're just stuck in a loop of solo adventure after solo adventure. I would agree. If this was like a 30-episode um, season, or 20-episode rather, that'd be insane. I would agree with you. Um, but I do disagree. I thought this episode wasn't good as a standalone. I thought it was okay average mediocre along along those lines uh i believe that this episode is not good for the series as a whole and the characters uh some of the characters kind of ruined it for others in this uh in this episode of the prisoner i really did enjoy a lot of the things they did with the with the cinematography I thought they did some really good things. I thought some things looked kind of wonky, but I was willing to let it go for a little bit just because I know this is television. Yeah. This is not full-length feature film. So with that being said, I gave I let some things go because you can't expect Game of Thrones quality of CGI every single time. Exactly. Yeah. So generally, thought it was okay, if not average. But we're going to go through the plot and hit beat for beat things we liked, things we didn't like in that plot, and with the character introductions. So, let's start this off. Yeah. So, I I thought that the crew that they introduced into this episode, the crew of mercenaries, I thought some of them pretty strong, pretty great. Uh, I thought that Bill Burr, and I think we agree on this to some degree, uh, Bill Burr was kind of disappointing. And that we were both pretty excited to see him because we love his stand-up. We love him as an actor and a lot of other th- roles that he's been in. Absolutely. But uh, in this, it felt like they cast someone different than who they were writing for. Just in the level of intensity that I think they were trying to get from him and the level of intensity that he delivered from as a character. See, I think that's where we differ in opinion because I think they casted... I think for Bill Burr, they casted correctly. But someone... Told him to tone it down, maybe. I don't know if that's true or whatnot, but when he was delivering some lines, it just didn't... It, it felt like that wasn't Bill Burr. It felt like someone was like, no, I want you to be more like this. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe they cast for the wrong role, and maybe it's written wrong, but just the way it was directed and that the character Mayfeld... So, Bill Burr's character is Mayfeld. He's, he's the uh, mercenary leading the charge on this, and he is a arrogant person but he's not confident i don't know how else to describe it but like when he's like oh i'm next when they're going into the prison 
Base it just didn't feel like Bill Burr. And basically, she he just just was like, I didn't think we get this far when we get further into the prison break. Yeah, definitely his his the character writing for him was not strong because I think they cast correctly. Well, and I wonder if his level of uh, knowledge and uh, love of Star Wars has any influence in this because he has been very publicly anti Star Wars. He had, he's never watched it. He's never really enjoyed it. He's never gotten the point of it. So for him to be cast in this, I think it would be difficult for anybody to fully uh, embody a character when they have no passion or uh, desire to be in a franchise. I wonder if maybe it was about money. Maybe he just finally caved and wanted to be a part of uh, like a cool episode for the series. But yeah, I don't, I don't think that he was nearly as invested in his character as, as some of the other actors were. Maybe when he read his character and he was getting uh, direction on how to do it, that's where he was like, oh, this kind of sucks. That's probably the way he would have said it. We we agree, he's the weak link in this episode. But let's talk about some of the other people who were introduced, like Ranzer Malk. This actor, when I was watching, I was like, where do I know you from? And then when we discussed it uh, before the podcast, it says he was from Batman Begins, and he's the dirty cop. And I love it, because they casted someone who I think is perfect, the way he was delivering it was like kind of kind of pushing Mando's buttons, like just like old times, Mando. And just the inflection, the tone, his character I thought was fantastic when we got introduced on the space station. He is such a delightful scumbag. Yes, that would be a great <laughs> way to put it. He's a delightful scumbag. Uh, and then after that, we get introduced to Mayfeld and we've talked about Bill Burr's character. And then we get introduced to the muscle Berg. Berg. Played, played by uh, Clancy Brown, which I could not tell was Clancy Brown in there. No, I think he did a great job. He's he's known for his voice acting, and you can tell when, with all the prosthetics on, I don't think he could deliver as many facial inflections as he normally would be able to, but you could tell in his voice, he's just got that gruff, intimidating sounding, uh, like that kind of personality, and it really came through in this episode. Yeah, and his action scenes, I really enjoyed him. Uh... So much as his dialogue was kind of weak and stuff, but you could tell he was trying to emote even when he had no lines, which was, uh, I can appreciate that. And then, probably, arguably my favorite person in this episode was Zero, played by Richard Iode, who we get introduced to after Berg, who is a droid, which I don't know how Star Wars does this, but every time they introduce a droid, they nail it. Yes. You've got... And R2-D2 doesn't really do so much as the sound design and everything made him great. C-3PO, K-2SO, BB-8. IG-11. IG-11. You've got now uh, Zero. These introductions of droids are just fantastic in who they cast. And Richard Ayoade did a good job with how he voiced everything. Like when he meets Baby Yoda, he's like, interesting. And it's just one word. And... The way he says it or how they morph his voice while he's doing the uh, voiceover for it was compelling. It felt like a droid that's actually trying to process information. And he's arrogant and very, very honest too. And I appreciate that from a droid. Yeah, and I've, I recognized the voice, but I didn't know who it was initially. And then I realized he's, he's known from the IT crowd. And now I don't think I'll ever be able to watch that show without picturing him as a droid. And I love that. <laughs> All right, and now Jean, Natalie Tenya. She was in Game of Thrones. She was in Harry Potter. I, I She overacted, but she was someone who seems like she was giving it 100%. And I liked her 
I definitely liked her performance compared to Bill Burr's Mayfeld. Yeah, when I think about her other roles that she's been in, she fully commits to what she does. And regardless of whether it's overacting or everyone else around her doesn't meet her level, like you know that she is invested and that she wants to be the best character that she can be. And even if it was a little over the top in some points, um, I really kind of appreciated the cartoonishness from her. Um, Berg, in some instances, I felt was also a little cartoony, mm -hmm. and I didn't necessarily like it as much, uh, just because of the limitations of, of his type of character. But uh, I, I, I fully enjoyed her performance, at least. Yeah, her performance was good. I, I wish she could have been a little bit more flirtatious with the Mandalorian, like kind of like touching his armor and stuff like that a little bit more. Then when she was winking at him, like, ooh, remember me? <laughs> that would have been a little bit nice, but I still I still think she did a great job. After this we meet the crew, they they get on uh yeah, they they get on the razor crest and they go to infiltrate a Republic freighter as part of the job that Mandal Mando has to do, uh, that he's reluctant to do, but it is what it is for money. And while they're in there, Zero is piloting, and then Mando Berg Mayfeld and Sheena, Jean, dang it, Sheena. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the South. Jean uh, are uh, are all bantering and going back and forth. What do you think about their uh, their conversation? I mean, again, I felt like some of them were just caricatures of what uh, what they could be. Um, but again, with Dave Filoni, like he's he's used to writing for cartoons. And so you have to kind of go a little over the top with that. So for him to be involved in this, um, I can definitely tell that some of these characters are a little over the top. Um, but I did like the dynamic between all of them kind of clashing and, and kind of building the tension for what it was to come. Um, again, with Mayfeld, I, I thought I thought he was kind of like an evil Han Solo-esque type thing that didn't really meet the mark. And he's such a loser. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, I felt like he was supposed to be written as a foil to the Mandalorian, where he, maybe the Mandalorian was kind of the team leader initially, and Mayfeld came in after he left and took over that role, and he was, like you said, he was supposed to be this confident, strong warrior uh, that really, I don't think, nailed it at all in that respect. He's just a weak bully at yeah. that point. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, why don't we get someone who who's been there for a while, takes over Ranzer's uh, operation, you know? He was given to point, you know, if Ranzer knows how good Mando is, why doesn't he make him do it? But we'll, we find out later in the episode why that is the case and why Mayfeld falls flat. With that in the back and forth, I, like when they, I, I liked how Mando did beat up Berg and then, the, you know, Baby Yoda's revealed. But this is just, uh, I, I was liking everything until this point because Mayfeld goes to hold Baby Yoda and stuff like that. And he's just like, I've always wanted a pet. But it wasn't even convincing. He's just like, oh, not really the pet kind of guy. But, you know, I've always wanted these. Picks it up, starts like caressing like Baby Yoda. It just felt so flat because uh, for me personally, I've seen him talk about the rescue dog he had in his stand-up. And he's just like, yeah, I've always wanted a pet. I'm like, this is cool. It'd be nice. You know, that's the Bill Burr-esque type of feeling. And with this, it was just so flat. It felt monotone for Bill Burr, and it was weird. Just like, you know, oh, I've always wanted a pet. You know, there's no excitement. There was no intrigue. There was no... It felt like he wasn't even bullying Mando. The fact that, like, oh, you got a soft spot for pets. Wow. 
Like, you didn't get any of that from the conversation. No, it felt like he was trying to come across as menacing. And the Mandalorian, I feel like, should have felt like Baby Yoda's life was in danger. But as an audience member, I did not get that impression at all. I knew that Baby Yoda wasn't going to be hurt. I knew, well, until the well, puppet. Well, he, he did get hurt. Until he dropped him, which, speaking of that, when you, when you drop a puppet, it obviously does not look like a real person or a real thing. Because when it dropped... All of the clothes, I feel like, remain uh, it all remained stiff, yes. and it was very obviously very fake. It was like watching a plastic toy fall to the ground. Yeah, it's quite anticlimactic. It was. I was that was pretty disappointing for me. Yeah. Which, granted, it's a puppet. Like I appreciate the fact that they go through the, the all the trouble to make it real and not CG, but it's things like that. You just kind of know the limitations of what you can do. Definitely, I agree with you. Which comes to Zero's flying was very robotic, which is kind of funny, but at the same time, uh, this is the one scene where I think the cinematography, like the CG was a little... A little over the top? Uh, it reminded me of Doctor Who. Yes. When the ship is taking weird angles. I did like that the crew was jumping around uh, a lot from that. I really enjoyed that aesthetic of it, but... The outside when the Razor Crest docks with the prisoner ship. The prisoner ship looked kind of like something out of the original trilogy. And I mean like the original cut. Not like after some fixes in the design. Besides that, like the environments and everything. I'm totally okay with the space station that Razor Malk is in. Totally fine with. It's just the, those couple of shots when they're intercepting the prison ship just looked bad to me. Yeah, when it whipped around to kind of initiate the docking sequence, and uh, you could just tell it, that to me felt very cartoonish, because up until that point, a lot of the, the ships and with the shots they have of the ships flying in space, they're on rigs, and they're filming it, and then in, uh, implementing it on blue screen, and overlaying the, the space uh, background of it, yeah. so you, you know that it's, it's really there, and you can tell that it's piloted a certain way, so for it to be so cartoonish all of a sudden was a little jarring. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little weird since Dave Filoni had worked on uh, Clone Wars and most of the space stuff in that is pretty good. Yeah. But he probably wasn't hands-on with that, that direction of uh, animation CGI. Yeah. But then it gets to the actual infiltration. And they go in, you know, and of course Mayfeld bullies Mando. And he's like, you're up, Mando. Mando does his thing and then everyone looks at May Mayfeld and they're like, He's like, am I up? And Bird's like, yes. Always. Always. And it's just another moment to crack at how stupid Mayfeld looks in that moment. I'm just like, you should be like, my turn. Like, have that confidence. Yeah. I just did not get that. And then we get where they infiltrate. They go into the scene where they find some droids in the hallway. And I love this scene. Mandalorian really hates droids. Oh, yes. And you get, this is a scene where we get to see him use most of his gadgets and his skill all by himself well and that's what i love too is that uh the rest of the crew had no idea what was happening and he was just he just disappeared he became invisible he uh came around behind them surprised them and then took them all down by himself even though some of them were stepping out to try and help him mayfeld held them back he wanted to see what what the main lorian could do and it's, it starts like this, like that show how far above everyone else the Mandalorian is in his skill and his knowledge. And so like you need somebody with a 
contrasting dynamic or, or not a contrasting, but a similar dynamic in a lot of ways um, to that level of skill. If you want to have anybody be any kind of match for him or stand a chance against him at all. And Mayfeld, I, I definitely would say fell short. Yeah, definitely. But it was, it was at least cool. And I think the, the shot of it, the action scenes felt real. I really enjoyed that. Whoever did choreography, cause he's, he's fighting against nothing. Oh yeah. In in real life he's just like, do this, do this, pretend like you're fighting these three robots and you know, have fun with it. I thought it was great. Pedro Pascal still doing great. Choreography team, fantastic. And then we go to they get to the command module. They meet a Republic soldier. Yes. And John, tell me a little bit about this Republic soldier. So what I thought was a really cool Easter egg and what I love I love the fact that they're doing this in the series where they're taking all of these oddball references to other Star Wars lore and shows and movies and implementing it in the series. And I don't know if anybody else recognized this, but the guy who plays that uh, Republic officer was also the guy that voiced Anakin Skywalker on The Clone Wars. So now he is officially canon in a live action series. And you didn't really get to hear him speak very much. He obviously didn't have a lot of lines, a lot of length to his character. Um, but I appreciated the fact that that's who they picked. Like, it could have been anybody. It could have just been a nobody off the street. But they make every little detail something for the audience. And I, I really appreciate that about about this series. Yeah, the, the introduction of these Easter eggs is really nice for this series. It's good for us Star Wars fans. This uh, Mexican standoff brought up another flaw in Mayfeld. I'm just going to keep on... Beating Mayfeld to death. That's the theme of this episode. The theme is Mayfeld. Mayfeld sucks. Mayfeld short. Mayfeld short. Yes, we'll do that. Mayfeld short. Mayfeld short in this point where he's he's got his gun again uh, to the New Republic soldier. And, he, and he's like, they're saying, what do we do now? He's going to call a signal. He's like, I didn't think we'd get this far. Why? Why? Why would you say that? Why is that in the dialogue? I hope to God that wasn't improvised and they went with it because this just feels like the sticky bandits from Home Alone. Like I didn't think we'd get this far, or I don't even know what we do at this point. Yeah, it doesn't feel like organic to the conversation or to the level of intelligence that these characters are supposed to have. It feels like it's meant to be more of a reveal for the audience, which in some in some implementations is good and it takes people by surprise but in this it just further shows the incompetence of some of the characters for something that they should have been able to anticipate the mandalorian calms it down mayfeld short points his gun at mando he's like don't you do it and you know like i'm still in control kind of kind of mentality and shion throws a knife and kills the soldier which i thought was cool but he still clicks the uh the tracking signal the homing signal yeah for the uh, New Republic fleet. This is where writing gets a little bit wonky, where I think at this point, everyone should have been mad at Mando, or this should be the point where they leave him kind of for dead or they kill him because that was their plan originally. Yeah. Because now they're in this tight quarter, but it doesn't happen, that's fine. And then we go to the actual prison. Uh, we go to the, the prison cell they're looking for, and we get to meet Xi'an's sister. Brother. Or Xi'an's, Xi'an's brother. Quinn, <laughs> played by Ismael Cruz Cordova. And see, his performance is one that, like, you felt like he was also trying to intimidate the Mandalorian and he could back up what he was saying, where I felt like that was what uh, Mayfield should have been like in, in some ways, that just gruff, intimidating type of persona that yeah. you know he can back up what he says. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Quinn was definitely a better foil. It would have been cool when Shion brought up, remember what happened? On, why don't you tell them about Alzok 3? Or like, why don't you ask the Mandalorian about it? Where, you know, I guess he went crazy and killed a bunch of people. You know, if Quinn was connected to that and Quinn's like, ah, remember Alzok 3? Kind of like um, in Marvel between Black Widow and Hawkeye or when they talk about uh, Budapest. Budapest. And remember Budapest? You know, that would have been a cool... E- a cool explanation to their relationship but we didn't get that mando gets pushed into the cell and he's locked in there and now they're all buddy buddy going back to the uh razor crest with the mayfell mayfell short at the helm this is where i think the tone of the episode makes a big shift yes and i love the contrast that they do with it yes the the fact okay so what what's enjoyable and yet frustrating about this show is that every challenge that the mandalorian meets he rises above it and can always overcome what he what he faces so for him to be trapped in a cell and a droid to happen to walk by he macgyvers his way out he uses all of his tools gets out gets to the control room locks down all these doors separates the the crew and one by one picks them off and you just, you know that he can do anything that he wants to do. And for for this to keep happening episode after episode, let me also say, I thought this was the most enjoyable, uh, one of the most enjoyable scenes in the franchise so far. Um, for him to, like I said, implement like that almost like alien-esque um, type of suspense in mm-hmm. this in this shot where you know he's out there somewhere. You know he's going to get you. You don't know where he is. You can feel the terror that these crew members are having when they're all separated. And to be picked off one by one, you know that the stakes are, are so high for them. Yeah. Um, but again like he just overcomes anything and so you don't feel like he's ever in any danger you you know that he's going to get out of it in some way you're just waiting for him to do it um so i hope that at the very end of the season or uh next season that they flip that on its head and he just either gets left for dead or put in a situation where you know he is in mortal danger and probably might not get out of yeah, we've we've seen that like what once this season with the uh, the mudhorn. Yeah, but again, Baby Yoda just ex machinas himself and just comes out of nowhere, <laughs> and suddenly the force is introduced. Yes, yeah, the the force saved him. But yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Like this is the the best part about this series. It does have those cool moments, and then they do something jarring where you're like, but why? Yeah, why? And for me, my frustration with this scene when he's picking everyone off one by one is why doesn't he kill everyone? Yeah, it, it, I'd be okay with them him keeping uh, Shion alive. Keeping her alive, I'm fine with because they have history. Yeah, and he has no history with Berg. He has no history with Mayfeld Short, and you know why not kill them and be that way? I just don't know why he keeps them alive. And the choreography, the fighting again, impressed when he's fighting Berg. Berg's tossing him around like it's a freaking salad. And he's just hitting the, all the control panels. They have sparks flying out of him. I loved it. And even how they have the... He closes the door on him, kind of like he did in the first episode. Where he yeah. cut that guy in half. And then he's like raising... Berg's raising it up and he's like smiling. And then a second a second closed <laughs> doors, blast doors come through. Kind of like from, again, not from the episode one of uh, Mandalorian, but episode one of The Phantom Menace. Yeah, have blast doors to stop Qui Gon from coming in. More doors close, and I love how it kind of mirrored that 
That's true. But I wish that would have decapitated him rather than just, oh, my horns. Well, see, and that's what the impl- uh, the implication was, was that the first one couldn't stop him, but the second one should have crushed his head in. And I think they just Disney-fied it in order to keep the character alive. When, like you said, like if they had just, if they implied that all these characters were going to die one by one, and then when they cut to that final shot of the prison cell and it was just Jean uh, alive, that would have, I feel like... Um, raise the stakes of who the Mandalorian is and what he's willing to do to people that deserve to die and that are trying to kill him. But then to also save someone he has a history with not only um, shows maybe a softer side of him, but also gives her a reason to seek revenge on him for killing her crew, which pits them against each other, which gives for a more interesting battle between two former lovers. Yeah, it feels it it would feel more Old West to me if what you described happened. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, I'm a former crew, but I kept this one person alive. I'm like, why me? It's just like history. The way we saw this was not, didn't feel like old westerns from the 70s, where, you know, you kill the people who don't really matter. It felt like a cartoon. Yeah. It's bring up like, you know, we'll get you again, Mando, with them all (laughs) like in like a rope, you know, like in the middle of the desert, like, I curse you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you with that. Um, we did get one cool shot, though, from this, which was the Mandalorian. Another cool shot was when he's coming towards Mayfell short. Yeah. When he when the lights are flickering and you see him, you see oh, him getting closer gosh. and closer, and then he disappears the last shot as he turns around. And then, oh. it's like, and then Bill Burr with that weak scream (laughs) (laughs) well and see that's that's that alien aesthetic that i was talking about where like the especially the strobe lights uh that effect the darkness um the sneaking up behind someone like where the audience knows where they are and you can just see them imminently coming closer and closer to only have them obviously leave uh mayfeld alive i felt like up until that point it was so good of a shot and i really enjoyed it and then the reveal at the end just killed it for me because you know with that he, him living, yeah, yeah, like you just knocked him out, dragged him to a cell, put him away, and that was it. Yes, it is so terrible. And the, for me, what's ruining it is that scream where I was like, "Why <laughs> couldn't we get Batman Begins? Where are you? Here? <laughs> Why not? Uh, so much. There's so much potential. Oh, this is like this is like Last Jedi, where I'm just like, oh, that's so good." ruined by the next scene or like a piece of dialogue that makes no sense to me all right we gotta we gotta keep going quinn uh gets pat captured by mandalorian they got to the razor crest and mando kills zero who's been hunting baby yoda this whole time which i wasn't really on edge because it was the same like three shots that it was the same shot uh just spread out three times of baby yoda going behind the crate yeah, which I will say, the one the one funny part of that of that series or scene to me uh, was when you could tell Baby Yoda was putting out his hand to use the Force to either stop Zero or maybe kill him or do something, and then the Mandalorian shoots him and he looks down at his hand like, "Wait, did I do that?" Yeah, and then the Mandalorian shows up like, that was funny to me. I really appreciated that. That was cute. It would have been cool if we saw uh, Baby Yoda do like the a Darth Vader thing. Oh, and just like crush it? Yeah, like if if Zero had shot Baby Yoda and he absorbed the blast, uh, that would have been so cool. But I digress. Yes, I'm I'm trying to tell the directors what to do. It's not like I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan my whole life, but I also have no idea and sense of how to build a film or do any of this stuff. So 
Welcome to typical sports fans. Sports, sports fans. Like, why didn't they just run the ball? Raw zone blocking, dude. There's more to it than you think. Anyways, <laughs> so then the Mando brings the Razor Crest back to uh, Ranzer Malk. Uh, Quinn is in handcuffs, and he gets his money. And Ranzer Malk's like, all right, cool, whatever, get out of here. For him to have the foresight to know that Rain was going to betray him, again, shows the level of intelligence of, of the Mandalorian and what a delightful scumbag that Rain was. Yes. Um, but, like, for him to be able to see that coming and, and leave that tracker on uh, on Quinn yes. and then just have the, the three X, X-Wings just pop up out of nowhere at the perfect time. See, this is the cleverness of the Mandalorian that I super appreciate. And this is where the writing does shine. Like when he he picks up that uh, that tracking beacon from that New Republic soldier who Shan killed. Yeah. And he leaves it on Quinn. And Quinn has no idea. Yeah. And he hands it to Ranger Malk and goes on his merry way. And that's great writing. That That is where it shines. And even the dialogue in that part where Ranger Malk like, watches him go, looks nonchalant, clicks on the speaker or the intercom. And he's like, kill him. You know, kind of like he's he's nothing, and yeah. him and Quinn are going to enjoy like a fireworks show, which gets turned on its head, and then they get uh, blown up by these three X wings, which are piloted by some very interesting people. They are. They are three of the directors of the Mandalorian, yes. led by Dave Filoni in what I know is your favorite Star Wars name. Oh gosh, Trapper, Trapper Wolf. Wolf. So bad. Come on, <laughs> the name generator. I, I feel like this Trapper Wolf was not the Star Wars name generator. I feel like that was Dave Filoni's original picking. Yeah. Switch is bad. But we get to the other people. Like, I will say this one. This Please and thank one. you. Rick Famuyiwa. Yes. I, I believe that's how it's said. I tried to say it earlier, and I fail, I fell short like so said, hard. Japanese phonetics, pretty easy. It's really nice. Fam- I can say the next one, though. You can say the next one, though. Okay. Uh, but Rick, uh, Rick Famuyiwa is... Jib Dodger, which still kind of cheesy, not as bad as Dave Filoni's. I'll let it slide. Yes. Uh, the last one, and I'm very confident in saying this, is Deborah Chow. Deborah Chow, which has the coolest Star Wars name that I think we've seen so far. Sesh Ketter. It's not anything flash, flashy or anything like that, but it just... It feels like a Star Wars name. It feels like, like Dash Rendar. Sesh Ketter. I- I'm fine with this. As Mandalorian and the Razor Crest is leaving... They're like, oh, there's a tracker and there's a ship trying to take off, so they assume it's trying to attack them. So they just blow up the space station. Yeah. And they attack it. And I like this because the space station looks really good uh, in CGI and the X-Wings attacking it look fine to me. I really enjoyed that. And then Mandalorian blasts off into space, tells Baby Yoda, I told you it was a bad idea, and then hands him the little silver ball. Yeah. Which, again, and this is just kind of my final thoughts on the episode, and I know I've said this before, but for him to continually outsmart and outwit everyone and everything that he comes up against, if it and if it had happened for the first episode or two and it established his dominance as a character, I feel like that would be strong. But for him to never meet any obstacle he can't face lowers the uh the threat level against him that i feel or the audience feels in general because you know that he's going to um he's going to overpower anything that comes up against him and it lowers the stakes for as a whole for the series uh, because you know that he and baby yoda and baby yoda will always 
fly off into the sunset at every turn. So I hope, I don't know, and I know you have an interesting theory about how they're going to change this, but I hope that they are able to flip it on its head and maybe make the whole series worth it by giving us a little bit more perspective of the threats that are out there in the universe that maybe the Mandalorian has just been building his confidence for so long to only have his legs just cut out from underneath him and just to fall on his on his face and I don't know I just I hope that in the end there's more perspective for us as an audience yeah I mean we could always hope for me wrapping up my ending thoughts about this episode I thought this ep- like I said this episode is average mediocre fine whatever you want to say but for the series it's a tragedy it sucks because I think this series right now with this added e- extra episode with this added episode of you know we're more than halfway done there are only two episodes left we've gone nowhere yeah it really feels like we've gone nowhere this is the feeling i had after the last jedi it's just like i i don't know what comes next i don't know how you fix it and so i came up with a few things uh to fix it and you have moff gideon is going to be introduced hopefully in episode seven if he's introduced in episode eight Oh, Lord. Uh, but the the point of the matter of fact is I think Disney has to go, has to have planned for this to be a strong finish. And the only way to get the series back into people's eyes to subvert our expectations, as they Disney, I guess, wants to do from now on, uh, is they need to kill Baby Yoda. <gasps> oh, no. Now, I say that because it reminds me a lot of a, se- a series... That many people were weary about and then were brought in at one pivotal moment. And that's Game of Thrones. When they kill Ned Stark and you're like, <gasps> and you, you get a villain in Joffrey. Yeah. In, in King Joffrey. And you're like, I hate him. I hope everything bad happens to him. And you're going to watch the series just to watch the Starks make their revenge. And obviously, through many seasons, it doesn't always go their way. But you get more invested in this in the characters and that's what i want to do is i want to be i want to be invested in the characters in this series and i'm only invested right now in mandalorian and baby yoda in a in a galaxy far far away a galaxy john a whole galaxy (laughs) and i'm just focusing on these two characters and there's not much development coming from them it's not that i would like to see baby yoda die but i think that's the only way this series gets saved from being mediocre to terrible or okay and good to being great this is supposed to be disney plus's flagship series to start off and it is not meeting expectation for me no and i mean you're right for them to not have any major content come out for another couple months or close to a year when the mcu shows are going to start coming out you need something that's going to draw the people in and be a conversation piece for weeks and months at a time and up until now, Baby Yoda definitely has been. It's brought the whole internet together, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to be noted that you are apparently pro dead baby. So let whoa, that be known. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> I'm not pro dead baby. I'm just pro dead baby Yoda to save this series. All right, there, Anakin. We're not going to kill all the younglings here. No, 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 no. This is this is that trope of for the greater good. Okay. For the greater good. Just Baby Yoda. Not babies. Human babies are okay. I got no problem with, you know, don't kill the human babies. I would prefer not for them to kill Baby Yoda. But I'm just saying, for the greater good of the series, of the series, yes, I am pro 
kill Baby Yoda. All right, so we're going to leave this up to the audience to determine whether or not Chris is pro-baby or pro-dead baby or not. I'm not. You say pro-dead baby. and that, That's misconstrued. Just say pro-dead baby Yoda. I said what I said and I meant it. Oh, yeah, everyone's going to be like, yo, this this guy's against babies. And it's just like, no, just <laughs> baby Yoda. And I, I, I like baby Yoda. It's just to save the series. And I, guess we'll I know out. Disney doesn't have the balls to do it. And that's what disappoints me. No. If they subvert my expectations and go for it. So so here, yes. as a final thought real quick, let me just kind of give uh, my wish, I guess, for how they're going to leave the Mandalorian at the end of the of this, uh, season. I hope that with all the mentions of how, like, of his religion and leaving uh, his armor on and not taking his helmet off in front of anyone, I hope that the the villain that you're looking for in Moff Gideon, I would completely agree with. And that level of foil to the Mandalorian and someone that can raise the stakes and the, the threat level for the whole series, I would agree with. Um, I hope that he comes in and maybe kills uh, that former love interest from, I can't remember the name of the planet, that he went to and spent the weeks with and was going to leave Baby Yoda with. Oh, on that backwater planet? Yeah, so I hope that maybe he brings her uh, to, to Mandalorian, kills her in front of him, raises that level, and then just completely humiliates the Mandalorian, strips him of, of his armor, leaves him without his helmet, and starts season two with uh, with him just completely bare bones, starting from scratch, having to claw his way back up to the top to save a captured Baby Yoda captured not dead because i want something for him to strive towards to save in the end and i don't think we're at the point where we can accept a dead baby yoda yet i, I want revenge okay i want revenge so I mean, it doesn't have to be gruesome you just put him in an airlock and release him oh that's <laughs> ebony maw him that's so much worse ebony maw or a, or a, a princess leia oh my god general leia but uh, she came back so those are our thoughts Let's see how uh, we're going to see in a couple episodes where it, where it ends, which just as a reminder, next week, because of the Rise of Skywalker's release, they are releasing episode seven of The Mandalorian on Wednesday, Wednesday morning instead of Friday morning. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, we'll have a review out shortly after that. And we'll we'll have also a podcast out around the same time. So look, look towards the new podcast and new review of uh, Mandalorian episode seven. Hopefully, after we're gonna go see um, the Rise of Skywalker on opening day, so hopefully we'll have a review uh, of that out because I'm hyped. I yes. imagine you're hyped. Yes. Can't wait to see JJ come back and hopefully deliver. He'll do something, good or bad. He's gonna do something. And he said he was taking some risks with the Force, so we'll see that. Yeah. I'm excited. Anything else, John? No, I'm good. I'm excited to see what comes next in the couple weeks uh, for Star Wars content. Oh, yeah. Star Wars. And once Star Wars is over, we'll have to gravitate to something else to (laughs) take over our lives. We're the Star Wars podcast, everyone. Oh, God. I know, right? All right, everyone. Y'all have a wonderful holiday. And good night. Bye.